Street Epistemology is a wonderful approach that anyone can learn. You can learn more about Street Epistemology at streetepistemology.com. dig that these are going up a level of abstraction like they're just they're in the space of how do you think mm-hmm. period which is really cool yeah that is a neat that the demonstration I, I like it and i like that it's a demonstration that only involves questions no no yeah. proof needed just right the demonstration is their own judgment including myself. How's it going, y'all? Hi. Hi, David. How are you? Hello. I'm doing fine. I'm pumped. Let's do it. I had no idea what to expect or how many people would be here. This is a fine amount. This is actually a much more manageable amount. I was was expecting like an unmanageable amount, so I'm kind of pleasantly surprised. you know, I figure what I'll do is I'll share my screen so you guys can get started on the survey and then we can get into the nitty gritty of what's going on. If you So let's go ahead and I'll share my screen. I'll show you what I'm doing here before I send you the link. All right, so you're just gonna get a, a link here and you're just gonna type in whatever nickname you want. You click start. And if you ever wanna do this with somebody else, it's quite fun. You just copy that. And I'll be posting this into the chat, which, oh, let me stop the share really quick. And then I will put this in the chat so you guys can get started. So I guess this is everyone. Yeah, it's gonna be in the everyone chat, that's fine. So that's the link. And we're, when we fill this out, we'll be able to see all of our answers. So we'll be able to SE each other and talk about different ways to ask questions about when you hear certain things other people say, how to recognize um, maybe something odd that doesn't really resonate with you, you can, we're gonna work on ways to come up with good questions on that. So go ahead and take a look at that. So if you've never seen this survey before, take your time with it. And then when you're all done, you just click a button at the bottom that says reveal all answers. So this is a a bit experimental because now what I'm trying to do is bring SE into large groups. Um, And I have done the survey with as many as 25 people before. And the dynamic is much different when you have a large group. With with street epistemology, we wanna ask questions that respectfully challenge someone else's thinking about a particular belief or how they came to know what it is that they know. And um, 
using the survey has been really helpful for me as a group for us to all learn how differently we think about these sorts of things. Um, so any, first of all, uh, this is like an open discussion. So feel free to speak up if you'd like. Um, what do you guys think about this so far? It's really, it's really impressive. It's really cool. Okay. Taking it to um, make it so you can do it with, with lots of people all at once. That's very cool. Yeah. And we can all see each other's answers, which is something interesting. And you can hover your cursor over the answer after you're finished. You click uh, show all answers, and then you can see who answered where. So I'm gonna go ahead and stop the share since I already am looking at mine and feel free to look at yours. Um, there we go. Hey, we got a newcomer. Hey, Andrew, there's a, let's see, in the chat here. Yeah, if you click the chat, you'll be able to click the link that'll let you fill out the survey to come along, go along with us. Recently, I've been starting with the bottom of the pyramid. And the, one thing that I learned about this is it's kind of shaped like Anthony's what, why, how pyramid. And the bottom is kind of representative of who we are, how we see ourselves as people. Um, how, we, how comfortable are we with, with change? or how frustrated are we when other people don't? <laughs> um, 19 through 24. So um, let's go ahead and get into it. I often investigate beliefs that do not match my own. When I do the survey, I usually ask other people what they think each statement means in their own words. And I get them to explain to me how they interpret it. Seeing as though we all agree, we can probably skip that step. Though if somebody says that they don't investigate beliefs, that unless they match theirs, what's a good question we could ask those people? If somebody says, I don't bother investigating beliefs that aren't the same as mine, what's a good question we could ask? Is it important to you to know the truth? Is mm -hmm. that something that interests you? <laughs> or are you just concerned with believing what you believe? Right, right. Well, what if they say, uh, well, I already have the truth, so I already know. <laughs> did you arrive at, how did you arrive at that truth? Mm -hmm. That's a good opener, right? And I like to start with 19 because um, it's kind of putting the conversation partner in our shoes here to think about why I would be interested in investigating their beliefs if I don't think they match mine. Um. Yeah, there's lots of different ways you can take this one. Um, another qu good question is, if somebody were to disagree to 19, I could ask them, when is the best time to investigate a belief that doesn't match yours? Is there a good time for that? Hmm. So that one's- Forgive the interruption. Um, I think you all are looking at a document that I have not been able yeah, to- Yeah, go ahead and click on the chat on the bottom of your- Yeah, I'm used to doing this on Discord or- some other, I've done this on Clubhouse and Discord and lots of other places. Usually I just have a hard copy of it, like a hard copy printout version. And cool. I'll just have them fill it out. And then I'll mark, I'll mark things on the survey that stand out to me that I want to ask questions about. And then I want them, I want to charitably interpret the way in which they're interpreting each statement. And one mistake I've made in the past is assuming that I know the way in which they're interpreting each statement. And oftentimes people interpret them very differently. So a good way to start is by asking them, how do you look at this 
Can you tell me in your own words what number 20 means, for example? So I'm the only one I'm off by myself on off on the weeds here on number 20. I'm in uh, I'm in the slightly slightly agree. So um, what would be a good first question to ask somebody? What uh, is keeping you from being fully agree to that question or statement? Good. Um, yeah, because I'm I just I'm not I'm not sure how much I know. How comfortable I am saying I don't know. It's possible that I think that I am, and I'm, and I have no <laughs> idea. Maybe I, I want to say that I know I don't know. I want to say I don't know if I don't know something, though I'm not really sure how comfortable I am. Now, if I hear something like that, somebody else say that, I would be so I would be very encouraging, um, and say, oh, that's very honest of you. You know, that's good. Okay, great. Uh, and, um, and then I might say, I might ask to that person who is doubting this one, um, do you aspire to say you don't know if you don't know something? That would be a good way to start. Hey, Anthony, he's popping in to say hi. So that's a, that's a place to start. Um, cool. All right. Let's go to 21 and it's beneficial to find out when I am wrong about something. So if somebody disagrees to this, if somebody says it's not beneficial, no one has here. So let's go ahead and imagine somebody saying that. Can you think of somebody who said that in the past? And what's a, what's a good way to imagine someone saying that? It's not beneficial to find out when I'm wrong. Hmm. Well, there are certain you know deeply held spiritual beliefs that people would have. They're like, I would rather uh, proceed as if I'm correct on this. Uh, it wouldn't benefit me anyway to find out if I was wrong. I'd rather it be ambiguous for the rest of my life. Yeah, one good response I've heard is, um, you know, some some things I know I'm wrong and I believe them anyway. Uh, <laughs> and I've I've heard that straight up. And sometimes there's a good answer for that, uh, like. The gun is loaded. I believe that the gun is loaded. Even though I know it's not loaded, I, I delude myself into, into believing that it's loaded. And in which case, what kind of question could you ask? In the case of the gun? Yeah. That's funny. I was always this taught is a hard assume, one. I was always taught to assume that the gun is loaded. Yes. Um, and then check, of course. And ask, you could ask, uh, well, what, what could go wrong? What could go wrong? Well, if I, I could, I could uh, end up shooting myself or somebody else if I, if I believe that it's not loaded because I think that I know if I know and I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. mm. So my question for that scenario would be, what's true about deluding yourself in this way? What is there a greater truth that you're using to to rely on in order to in order to adhere to this principle of believing that the gun is loaded? Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, because like I know that other than it might not be, but I'm open to the idea that it's either it is or it isn't, and I'm choosing to err on the side of the possibility that it is. 
which is a slightly different thing than saying, I'm just going to believe it is. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so if I'm understanding the conversational situation we're contemplating here, you could ask a question like, so you're saying it's useful to believe this or are you saying it that it's literally true? Because, right, they, they seem yeah. to be saying, I, I benefit from treating it as if it is true, ah. but I don't really care whether it is. And right. so you could offer them that reframing and say, would, would you accept this reframing as? Yeah, we're, yeah, that's a great way to uh, ask whether or not we distinguish the truth or the fact of the matter versus the the practical game theory or whatever around the delusion, the self-inflicted delusion of the gun being loaded. Yeah. There's lots of different ways I've heard people say about this. Sometimes I've heard people say, if a meteor is falling from the sky right now, I don't want to know. Hmm. How would we ask questions about that? Hmm. So, what would you, uh, if you were to learn that it was true, like you had, if a news report came on right now, how would that affect you? Like if, if you yeah. couldn't, if you couldn't avoid that, what would happen to you? Yeah. That's a great way to get them to think how they would react. Like if they found out right now. Uh, yeah. What, what do you think you're protecting by not knowing that? What is it mm -hmm. that you're, mm. What is it that about not knowing that do you think is beneficial? Um, that that would be curious to me. Yeah, stay curious. That's a great question. What is it that would change? Right. Yeah. I mean, if if I knew I only had hours or days to live, uh, I'd want to know so that I could live my life to the fullest. Wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. Hmm. So now that's, that's, uh, I actually share that sentiment <laughs> though. That might be, um, sending a message. So you could take that and make it a more open-ended question. Is there a way, maybe the latter half of that question was golden. What was the latter half of that question? It was, um, wouldn't you, but what if, Hmm, could we take that and say, can you say it again? Wouldn't you want to make the the best use of of your last moments on Earth? Mm. Okay. Would you? So let's try to refine that. Would you find any opportunity, any new opportunity? Would you find any thing beneficial from discovering that? your final hour is nigh or something like that. <laughs> There's lots of different ways you can take this. And it really, it depends on the attitude and feeling of your conversation partner. Maybe they're, you know, not going to receive that question very well. Use your best intuition in this case, though. Um, there's lots of different ways you can break down this one. Most of the time people will agree that it's beneficial though. So let's move on to the next one. I will abandon a belief if I discover reliable information that falsifies it. Some people, when they disagree in my experience to this, usually they're not understanding what falsify is, or maybe they don't know really what the statement means. So what would be your first question? Open-ended, somebody just marks it. They haven't even said anything yet. What would be your first question to somebody who disagrees to this? 
What would it take to, for you to abandon a belief? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's very open-ended. Good, good job with the open-endedness on that one. Yeah. Uh, you could ask something like, um, when, when you show other people that their beliefs need modification, um, do you expect them to change theirs? Mm. You know, basically just say, hey, are you yeah. applying the golden rule here? Are you holding yourself to the same standards you would hold other people to? Yeah. Right. Yeah. An outsider test is good. I mean, I would ask, I mean, how do um, how do you learn about the world outside of your personal experience? Like what sources do you use to discover what's happening around you? Because, you know, by its very nature, when you learn something new, you have to modify your beliefs just to know that it's Tuesday. If, if you know if it's if it's not Tuesday, uh, or just to find out what's happening in two towns away from you, right? So it seems to me like there's this is not even something you actually could do. But I'm not exactly sure how I would word that. Hey, can I build off build off that? I yeah. Sure. Suppose we chose a very mundane, non-threatening example. Suppose you're in a car headed across a bridge <laughs> and you see a sign that says bridge closed. Uh, do you change your belief that that's the best way to go? Well, of course I do because I don't want to get stuck in traffic. Well, okay. So you sometimes change your mind when, when evidence, when you're presented with evidence, what makes this case of, of uh, the bridge closing different from the, the case of your religious belief? Yeah. Okay, great. All those are good. One thing, though, that I've learned is all these are really good second questions, though, uh, if and this is only if you're strictly using the survey, if somebody says that they don't, they won't change their mind, even if it's falsified in a normal everyday conversation, that's pretty rare, though, uh, if somebody's filling out the survey, I like to say, why, why, why did you disagree? That's a good enough question right there. Maybe I have no idea what they're thinking about this. How, what, and if I, I just say why, then maybe they can explain it to me and then I can just take whatever I'm hearing and then maybe go ahead and apply that um, sign thought experiment. Uh, that's a really good thought experiment. Cool. Can, Let's I, keep moving. can, I, can I try yeah. to generalize that? Nathan, am I here? I'm hearing you say that first questions are, it's best to make first questions very open-ended and, and more just, yeah, Not the kind of questions that basically just says, tell me more uh, about yeah. that or or um, can you explain? Can you help me understand why you believe that? Just yeah. One a one word question. Just why? Because <laughs> uh, we have no idea what the reason is they're using for disagreeing to it. And that's only if you're, again, using the survey. Uh, so it's weird because we're talking about both if you hear something in a normal everyday conversation and on the other hand, if you're actually having someone fill out the survey and how that's different, how those conversations would go differently. Um, if someone says, I'll, I won't change my mind, even if it's falsified, I wanna know what they think falsified means. Do they, do they even think about it the same way I do? Or maybe they think some other thing about what it means to, to think something's falsified. Um, for the new and, people in the room, there's a, a link in the chat for you to fill out a survey if you want to follow along with us. 
And in this day and age, a lot of times people are going to say, well, they're going to question the the reliability of the information, the source. They're going to question the source. They're going to say, oh, well, it's, you know, fake CNN or, you know what I'm saying? That kind of thing. A lot of times when people um, doubt that information, even though it may be peer reviewed or whatever, there's there's often some sort of um, I wouldn't quite go so far as to say that it's conspiracy theory, but, you know, a lot of times they're just, they're doubting, they're questioning the source because of some reason, you know, whether it's funding, oh, well, you know, that, that research was funded by an oil company or, you know, that kind of thing. A lot of times that's, that's the kind of answer that I've gotten. There's, there's some feedback. Yeah. Dixie Davis, I'm trying to click the mute button for whatever reason it doesn't do it on my end. Thank you. Oh, it's still going. Thank you. Feel free to fill out the survey if you want. Sorry, I was a little distracted there. Um, cool. Any any questions on this one, or should we move on to the next one? All right. Uh, it does get a lot more complicated near the end, so just bear that in mind. We only have 70 minutes, which is surprisingly uh, short for how long a survey interview can be. Um, Let's go ahead and go to, actually, yeah, 23. The more unusual the statement, the stronger the evidence needs to be. Everyone is in agreement on this, uh, though what, let's say in normal conversation, somebody says something like uh, their statement doesn't need more evidence, even though it's unusual, or something to that effect. What would be a good way? And there's a common, I'm thinking right now of a common thought experiment that Anthony does. This it's you're thinking. This was the weirdest was one of all to be. Hmm? This was the weirdest one of all to me. I got like, it seems like, like uh, I find it very surprising someone would disagree with this. So I'm interested to hear right. uh, how, that, how that happens. It will happen occasionally, especially if I um, have like 20 people fill out the survey all at once. Um, the thought experiment that I go to first is, is essentially the Ferrari test. And this is a common test that Anthony does. Um, well, it's where I saw it first and then it's all over the place in street epistemology. It's very common. Um, basically you say, hey, lightning round. I got a little, I'm gonna ask you three questions. And they're not hypotheticals, they're real. And I want you to tell me on a scale between zero and 100 where your confidence is. Zero is all I have are questions and doubt, and 100 is all I have are confidence, and I'm close-minded to being wrong about it. Claim number one, I own a car. Where would you all be on the scale of confidence that I'm telling you the truth and that I own a car? 100. 100. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Maybe uh, 90, 80, something like that. Okay. That's it. That's reasonable. You guys are saying you're 100 or 90% confident. Oh, yeah. Wait, wait. That you're right that this is me. This is you. This I is personally. Like, yeah. Me, Nathan. And I, okay. This is not hypothetical. This is real. Got it. Oh, I'm going to be a, a hard 60 on that one. Okay. Yeah. It's reasonable. Okay. I, I, I'm a little fuzzy on which way you're asking it. So y y you're asking... A, a subject how confident are you that you're a car so yeah i would say <laughs> i would say don't oh, think no about car. it too hard think of it like this like somebody says oh yeah i own a cat 
Like, do you immediately doubt that? Or is there some confidence that they're telling you the truth? Tend to trust them. Yeah. Just, and this is the thought experiment. It's It's like based off of just the claim alone and no evidence whatsoever. How much do you allow yourself to believe people who, who are telling you something? Uh, and so, yeah, I would be around like, you know, 60 or 70 or something. I just generally like believe them. Sure. Uh, okay. So round number two, I own three cars. This is not hypothetical. This is real. I own three cars. Do you believe me? I'm going to be a 40. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Below 50 for sure. Right. Some people, 60. some people own cars, right? Um, all right. And, uh, I have done this before where somebody has told me, no, my number would be the same between one car and three cars. If that happens, say, I own 10 cars. Do you believe that? And if they still don't budge, tell them I own 20 cars and you just keep piling on cars. uh, Right. And our intuitions will just like come in here and they'll, and people will tend to drop the number. Uh, and then the last one usually, and my, my version is a little different than Anthony's version. I say, I have an invisible car. What's your confidence that I actually have an invisible car. And this should work as a, a fairly reasonable demonstration that, they themselves have some sort of internal judgment on how to, how to, whether or not they want to just accept a claim on face value, or if their confidence goes down, the more unusual the statement gets. And when that's done, if they agreed to 21, which is, it's beneficial to find out when they're wrong, ask them if they think a disagree to 23 is the best place to be. Now you don't need really to like cool. push people. I don't want to push anyone. I want people to um, to make their own minds up. Uh, I'm not here to prove anybody wrong, though. This is the closest you'll get in street epistemology to proving anything, because um, it's kind of just a demonstration of how their how their mind is working and thinking about. It's really cool. Things. It's really cool. I really dig that these are going up a level of abstraction. Like they're just, they're in the space of how do you think mm-hmm. period, which is really cool. Yeah. That Absolutely. is a neat that the demonstration. I, I like it. And I like that it's a demonstration that only involves questions. No, no yeah. proof needed. Just right. The demonstration is their own judgment. And then when you're done, just make sure that you're not trying to push them we want them to feel relaxed and like kind of comfortably uncomfortable in this thinking about whether, whether or not they should disagree to 23. All right. And then last one, 24, it is very rare for me to ever see anyone disagree though. It has happened. And in the rare instance in which they think that it might be possible that it's not possible mm-hmm. that some of their beliefs are not true. I know it's a lot of, <laughs> double negatives there um ask them what they mean yeah this one I had a go ahead will store um uh an author i know he said uh he had a great thought experiment that was that is similar to this question where he, he would ask people do you do you think that are some of your beliefs not true basically and they most people will say of course not and then he says so which ones are not true 
and it's just a it's a really fun right. moment. I've done that. I've done that in front of a crowd before. It's, oh, uh, that's cool. There's a real loud murmuring that takes place. Like, like okay, so you you admit that some of your beliefs are false. Which ones? And then that's this moment. You're like, oh yeah. And like then you can go to the next question. Was like, how would you go about figuring that out exactly? Ah, yes. The how would you go about figuring that out is what SE is all about. Yeah. And that's a great thought experiment. Yeah. When I do this in amongst a big group, I have had people chastise those that disagree to 24. And in the event that anyone were to do that, I would say, hey, wait, wait, wait. We're trying to be street epistemologists here. Hmm. And we agree to 24. So is it possible that she's right? What would we need to find out? Let's go ahead and ask them. And maybe it has something to do about how they're viewing truth or what truth is Mm -hmm. that people have truths or are truths. They have personal truths, Mm -hmm. my truth and their truth, that sort of thing. These language games kind of conflate things. What was was your question? Well, if you're, if if you drink enough relativism Kool-Aid, you start thinking of true as just meaning true for me, in which case, it's just almost axiomatic that all of my beliefs are true for me, right? They're all true because that's what it is to believe them is, is, is to take them as true for me. Mm-hmm. Now we're, now we're definitely playing a language game for sure. It's like, but that's good. It's good to alert people that you're playing a language game. All but right. that is a lot of what SE is, is figuring out how people are using words so you can figure out where their thought process is coming from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And, and of course, there are even people who, who like to replace the term true with true for me in certain contexts to protect their own beliefs. There are other contexts where, where they would not want to allow other people the same e- evasion, right? So if you can come up with a scenario where you're basically saying, you know, if somebody is... Um, somebody kidnaps your child and, and um, then says, well, it's true for me that, uh, that I didn't kidnap your child. I mean, truth matters. And I mean, real objective truth matters in a case like that. My example's clunky, but you get the idea, right? Right, true for is one of those concepts where if you hear someone say true for, my first question is, um, it, when you say true for, is true for the same thing to you as opinion or or is it something else does it mean true for me also or if it's only true for you how is it different than opinion is it the same thing or is it different and maybe get them to explain it or or and what do we call things that are true for all of us right well universally true and that's actually number one so let me go ahead and i'm going to share my screen again uh Oops, there we go. All right, number one. It looks like four of us uh, agree yep. strongly and one of us is neutral. I don't, I'm not sure I'm, if they're still I'm, in the room. I'm the neutral party there. Okay. Only because the word statement to me could mean an attitude or a value. Oh, and okay. Then... How would you, and so my first question with the survey is always, how would you, what would you prefer number one? would say what would you rather it say what would be a better way to define what the truth is 
I mean, I, I mean, I don't, I mean, I understand where you're going with it, but I would, I would, uh, for me, like, it's just important to like, make sure that we're talking about fact-based claims in a street epistemology attempt, because if it's, if, it, if I'm talking about your attitude or if I'm talking about your value, uh, then you need to kind of modify the kind of conversation in some way, because your attitude's your attitude. It's positive or negative for a reason. Uh, but a fact-based claim is a fact-based claim and it's a different kind of um, mental construct. Okay. Uh, can I lie about my attitude? Oh yeah, that's good. I like that. Yeah. Well, it seems to me that even statements about right and wrong, even statements about our values need to be accountable. It's, it's not okay to just you know, spout irresponsible value judgments. And, and whether you think value judgments are true by corresponding to reality or true for some other reason, it's right. important that we have standards and that we uphold them, even when it comes to value judgment. Like it I feel, might I feel be true you. to me that The Matrix is the best movie. Yeah, so well, that I, would, would, strawberry that ice cream be, is the best ice cream. And that would be going back to asking about the difference between an opinion and a fact. Uh, but I like that as a first question because that starts the conversation into the direction of what are we talking about? Like what, right. what are the mental constructs that we're dealing with here? Exactly. In a good SE interview, I've, I've changed the way I do my interviews now a little bit and I want to know what they believe. I want to get the claim and I want to put it on the scale. And then I want to also know um, how important it is for them that they believe in true things and get that on a scale. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's something more important than what's true. And if so, it might be helpful for us to identify what that is early on in the conversation. Um, okay. Um, another, this, another way to do this is the Tic Tacs. And some people will disagree to number one um, for reasons that um, they'll actually say that the number in my box of Tic Tacs here is both even and odd before someone counts them. Uh, and that's, that's really, really rare though. Um, what do you think is a good question to get them thinking about it? If they say something like that. So that, just to set it up, go ahead. Well, try this on for size. Um, what would you say the odds are that the number of Tic Tacs in this box is even? And most people would say, oh, 50%. Okay, what are you? What are the odds that it's uh, that the number is odd, fifty percent? Um, you know, what would you say the odds are that they're both odd and even? That, oh, so that the good, number of tic tacs, right? Yeah, you, you kind of you can so kind good. of draw them into you know normal responsible talk about probabilities, and then once they've started down that path, they they can't really back out. Easily. Yeah. Another one might be before there were any minds alive in the universe, before there was any life. And this may or may not work depending on how they receive this question, though, before there was life on Earth or anywhere in the universe, um, was there anything true? I like that. That's another good one. 
or if all life dies, will there, will there no longer be anything true? These are different ways of thinking outside of it. With, is it mind dependent or independent of minds? And that leads us to number two on the survey. We all share the same reality and only interpret it differently. So who's got uh, an interpretation for this? Looks like Dixie maybe was neutral on it. By the way, just so everyone knows, this is being recorded. Hopefully you're all cool with that. What's, uh, what do we think, think people think this means if they disagree or if they're neutral? Well, I assumed you meant objective reality. We all share the same objective reality and yeah. interpret it differently. Uh, right. But I could see someone interpreting it differently than that, thinking that, oh, you're talking about subjective reality? Because there's a lot of those. Mm -hmm. Because my dog doesn't live in the same reality I live in, I promise. That's the sort of thing. So it'd be good to clarify that. Yes, uh, that is right. Most people that I interview will say, um, oh, my reality is my reality. <laughs> and it so they're is. interpreting this word differently. I mean, it is. And it's a good conversation to start. So that, that's to like, I find that oftentimes just the idea of objective versus subjective reality is fresh and new uh to a lot of people um that's like the beginning of all of this in a lot of ways hmm. yeah my question would would be if we replace this word reality with universe or cosmos hmm. how would that change your answer might be a good way of of um allowing them to keep their own definition for their own word uh and just inserting a different word that kind of goes along with kind of what the intent is here behind it. Our, another way to do it is, if, especially if you're doing it over Zoom, to, to really ground this, uh, this abstract notion might be, are we all sharing the same Zoom call right now <laughs> and only interpreting the Zoom call differently? And let them think about that. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of important because it's kind of underscoring what the word correspondence is referring to in number one. Is there a world in which we're sharing independent of us? And if so, when we ask about Tic Tacs, is the, are the Tic Tacs a part of that universe? And when we ask about the evenness or oddness of the Tic Tacs, is it our interpretation that's corresponding to what's there? And you can just keep asking these sorts of questions in order to make sure that we're on the same page that we agree uh, what the truth means to us. Now, they may have a different definition for truth. And I have had people who agree to number two and disagree to number one. When that happens, I want to know if they think truth is something else and have them expand on that definition. And that's fine. Though I want to let them keep that definition and I want to know if we can, if we wanted to come up with some new word that would represent correspondence. If there were such a thing. Could we just make up a new word other than truth to describe the way our minds are seeing the shared reality we're both living in? You could ask whether they would agree 
that some statements tell it like it is and some statements don't tell it like it ain't. <laughs> yeah. All right. Any questions on number two? Number three, truth depends on the opinions and beliefs of people. Who has heard this one before? For sure. I'm actually, yeah, of course. Yeah. There's a if, liberal truth and there's a conservative truth. Yeah. So we have a lot of like-minded people here. So uh, we don't have an, a lot of people to challenge our notion. Though if somebody, there we go. We got somebody who put in a challenge for us. Well, that might've been me. Nice. Uh, okay. Sure. You, you want me to be, be the mark here? Yeah. Play, <laughs> play. Um, yes, please let us know. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the idea that money has value mm. has truth because lots of people believe it has value. And if right. people didn't believe that, say, paper money have val has value, then it wouldn't have value. So mm -hmm. that's a perfect example of a kind of reality that is determined by belief. Right. Consensus reality. Right. Also, uh, definitions for words is another good one. <laughs> mm. Like mm. definitions for words pretty much are only true because people agree about them or have some sort of understanding, mm -hmm. have some sort of a, opinion about it. Okay, good one. How would we, how would we, let's say their, let's say their belief is something factual in nature, whether that's climate change or uh, a God or so anything else doesn't really matter, but they're making a fat claim and we're using the survey here. How would we, how would we differentiate these things in a question? Differentiate a, a fat claim from these other types of things we're talking about. Right. So you could ask, do you think God would exist whether or not we believed in him or is God the kind of thing that exists only because we believe in him? Mm, that's a good one. That's a really, really good one. Right. And my guess is a certain, well, in my experience, actually, a, a fair number of, of uh, theists or, or God believers actually have a concept of God where he's kind of a metaphor for love. And if enough people believe in love, then love becomes real and God becomes real. Kind of something like that. Right. For the uh, God's more like money kind of thing that you were going for there. That's pretty good. <laughs> that is a good one. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. But a, but a non-crass, non-cynical. <laughs> Kind of my... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have heard people tell me before that things are embodied in reality because of belief. Mm -hmm. And that's a very interesting claim about how our minds relate to reality. What would be more questions on that? Basically, well, yeah. There's that... only one person left on, like, everybody's dead, but one person because of some amazing, horrible thing that happened. How many things cease existing? Mm hmm. Um, and that's a really interesting thought experiment because the value of money ceases to exist. Right. Yeah. 
maybe to one person you could still value it though it's almost like not really useful anymore probably you probably would lose that value if you couldn't use that money to exchange anything and it's more, more uh, for, like, uh, for cooking like uh, steaks and stuff like it's good kindling <laughs> yeah get a fire going <laughs> this is in the apocalypse <laughs> it, it changes its value <laughs> right well i think a more superficial question would be something if they agree to that statement that uh truth depends on what people believe i would ask them if a lot of people believe something could they be wrong mm-hmm. and if they could be wrong then what does that mean about your agreement to that statement right that's good so let's uh move on to number four people create words and define their meaning why do you think this is on the survey why would this be important to be on the survey because people fight about definitions all the time yeah and yeah. demand that their definition is the correct one. It's very, it's really helpful to get people talking about what words are and, and word games and get into that space. Mm-hmm. Looks like we've got a couple of people that disagree. If you disagree and you want to tell us why, um, both Wendy and Andy, please let us know. Actually, I, I, I wasn't actually disagreeing. I just put, uh, I was neutral? just taking it literally because, you know, some people are creating words and defining their meaning. Others are just taking other people's words and you know definitions and going with it and not necessarily thinking it out themselves, that kind of thing. But I do believe that obviously people do, but animals do not. You know what I mean? So in that sense, you know, so I was, I was just looking at it in different ways. That's all. Yeah, I actually like what, what Wendy's saying here. And I actually think that for the vast majority of the words we use, we don't bother defining them. We either rely on somebody else's definition or simply we go with we go with an undefined right kind of gut sense of what they mean i've also just heard people say straight up that the universe dictates what words are and that's why they disagree and i it's important to pay careful attention to the reasons that they're using and the only thing i want to know about uh if they disagree is whether or not they they think that if I were speaking a different language and they couldn't understand me, would my words not have meaning? Or if you suddenly spoke that other language, would they, would it magically get meaning or did it always have meaning? And it's just our ability to understand each other. That's the important thing. And that's generally the kind of line of question that I want to, I want to go through with that. Mm. Number five. A statement is true if everyone agrees. Yes, I was the dissenter here. Uh, the uh, but I was I was basically uh, predicting what Andrew was saying about money. There, that's where my mind was going. Uh, but also, like you know, if, let's say we call ourselves the United States of America, and a larger portion of people have a different word for where we live. Uh, what's the truth in this statement? What's the fact claim there that this is the name of the place we live? Is x and a greater number of people say no the name of the place you live is y like it's an opportunity to have a discussion about what happens when there's a great consensus greater consensus on something that is a labeled thing um so uh it's just a way to get into that discussion as far as i'm thinking right that's that's fair those are all decent reasons to think outside the box on that one if someone i'm interviewing 
is staking a claim in something supernatural or they're staking a claim in something that's unusual. I want to know whether or not they think it's true because everyone agrees. Mm. And if so, how that works. Now it could be that it's just kind of like what you're saying. It's just, you know, a cultural thing or something though. Mm. If it's a fact claim about reality or shared reality, I want to know if that's a good reason to agree to number five. And another way of uh, turning this one inside out is if they want to be, if there's strong, strong agreement on number five, um, then I, one of my questions would be if this, if ever, if this statement were true, though everyone disagreed to the statement, would it no longer be true because everyone disagreed to it? Mm-hmm. It's so, also fun because this is a, conspiratorial thinking and religiosity diverge really strongly here because you have the fact that everybody believes and has faith and there's a lot of people that believe it is a uh, seems to lend credit to something supernatural but the fact that a lot of people believe uh, don't believe something uh, like like if you're part of a conspiratorial community and you're like yes all the sheeple think this one thing the majority of people do think this but I'm one of the chosen who sees the truth it's interesting yeah. that like it, the, it can be used as a cudgel in, for two different ways of looking at the world. The consensus is an indicator that you've been tricked or consensus is an indicator that you've seen the light, which I think is interesting. Cool. Great. Any other thoughts on this one before we go to the tough one? Number six, strong belief, even without action, can change external reality. So more so than all others on this, I, ha- I have a wide variety of opinions most of the time, probably more than any other statement. So I would advise if someone's making such a claim to agree, then I want to be careful that I uh, interpret them accurately. And so my first question is, what do you mean by that? And I see here that there's a neutral and three slightly disagrees and then a str- and I, uh, two strong disagrees. Mm-hmm. So anybody that was either neutral or slightly disagree, you want to let us know? Um, uh, again, I was in that same space with the um, consensus reality kind of stuff like we were talking about with money and stuff like that, where the reality of the thing also depends on the belief in the thing. In a, if, it's, if it's an abstract idea that we're all saying, let's agree to this. Um, Doesn't uh, it have to affect behavior in order to... Well, it doesn't, it can affect mood. It could affect attitudes. It could just affect the, the resting state of everybody's uh, brain box. Uh, so it doesn't necessarily have to affect behavior for it to affect the world itself. The external reality of everybody's brain state will be affected by the fact that everyone believes a certain thing. So David, so, if somebody were to walk up to you on the street, imagine you're not on Zoom anymore. You're on the street. And somebody walks up to you and they tell you that strong belief, even without acting on it, will change the external world. What do you think is, uh, what's your interpretation of how they interpret it? I'm I'm assuming they're thinking about the secret. (laughs) Right. Uh, That's what I think they're thinking. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, and that's why that's why this yeah. is all over the map. I can think of reasons to agree also that are very mm-hmm. similar to what you're saying. Like if mm-hmm. somebody says, um, uh, 
well, maybe my beliefs are an action since they they're dependent on my brain, which is beholden to the, the laws of physics and time. And without mm. time, they wouldn't, they wouldn't work. <laughs> and that's a good reason to agree, I guess, though it's kind of bending over backwards to make it work. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Though if, if somebody were to say the secret, that would be a good thing to know. And that could be an SE conversation in and of itself. And that's mm. a good way to pinpoint that and say, hey, let's set this aside. And maybe once we're done with the survey, we can dig into the secret. Now you can write that down and you can get ready to explore that belief down the road. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would also add that um, I I don't think it's necessarily even possible to hold a belief that doesn't affect what you do in some way. Right. I think the idea that strong belief, even without action may be interpreted as impossible by some people. Yeah. Some Um, people will. Yeah. Well, on some definitions of belief, belief is a mental state that changes at least the disposition to, to act um, and just by definition. And, and, and that, act, that definition of belief has some very strong mm-hmm. philosophical credentials, Edge. I want to go with the interpretation my conversation partner chooses. Mm. And if they choose that your beliefs are consequential, great. Now we're talking about the reason why we're doing this in the first place. And if they say, well, because prayer works, well, then awesome. Mm. Now I have even more to talk about. Let's write that down and pin that. And I can dig into the reasons why they think that works down the road. And we can look into the reliable ways they know that that's true, that that actually works and what the limits are to that. All right. And one of the things I was thinking of um, with the strong belief, it, you may not be acting upon that belief, but that belief then affects other actions in other areas. Mm-hmm. So that's how that can, I was the, the neutral person because I had, I had views on either, either side. I mean, the other side is like, obviously, you know, it doesn't matter if you don't believe in gravity, it still exists. <laughs> you know? So, right. you know, uh, but, but yes, for, for some people, they may interpret that question as, well, yeah, I'm not acting upon this belief, but you know, uh, that belief affects other actions, you know, like religious belief will affect, your views on abortion, you know, that kind of thing. Even though you're not necessarily acting upon something that's directly God related. Yeah. I think we're doing good on time. We only have uh, about four, uh, is it 40 minutes left? So I'm going to cruise through here. We're going to skip number seven uh, just because it tends to be a little slow. We'll go back to it if we have extra time at the end. Number eight. So uh, this is under how does belief work? Someone can be certain something is true yet still be mistaken. Now people will just agree right off the bat. Usually though, what do we, what do you, what is the reason why this is on the survey? What's a good, what's a good question. Even if someone were to agree, what's a good follow-up question just to make sure they understand it the 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 um importance behind this one so this one's slightly different than 24 24 is it is possible that some of my beliefs are not true well well this question plants the seed that i mean it's hard not to agree to this one and once you agree then 
you can no, you can't take your own certainty as a guarantor of truth later in the discussion. Mm. Mm -hmm. What uh, what would be a good first question? So my my question would be: Does this also work for personal experiences? Can someone have a personal experience and be mistaken? Yeah. Okay. All right. Number nine, a test that cannot identify a failure is a valid test. So we're actually thinking about changing this one only because it's not so clear what the intent is behind it. So, I'll so actually, go ahead. Um, I was the one, I was one of the ones on discord the other day trying to help you yeah. reword this. Um, my discord is retrovo if the little guitar if you remember that okay yeah i'm looking <laughs> at it right now but i this was so difficult to try to figure out because it's hard to it's hard to word the question in a way it, it's hard to word this question so that people understand exactly what you're asking right um let me a go test. ahead and read you what I think we'll replace it with. We should be satisfied with a test that can only confirm our claim. I like, I like that one just because it's, it's nobody's concept of a test if it doesn't actually test something. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Is the rubber stamp, it's not a test. Yeah, when we test something, is it important for us before we even do the test to know what it takes for the test to show us our idea is not valid or true? Before we test something, should we know what it looks like for an outcome to show us something that would allow our confidence to drop in this thing? So like the way I thought of it... Um, a long time ago is like one test that will never fail <laughs> is gravity. So like I can drop this box of Tic Tacs and it will pretty much fall hundred percent of the time <laughs> though. What makes it a test? You can do it and see what happens. That's one. The fact that you can imagine it not doing that. Right. Yeah. It could do some other thing. It could go. It, it could, could be falsified. It can be falsified. <laughs> It can't, we can imagine dropping it and it doing some other thing. Maybe it'll float in midair or fly up. And in which case, if it does that, um, if I'm at a 99 that this will fall when I let go, then if it started floating, that would maybe bump me down to like a 90. Maybe things don't fall all the time. Maybe they fly up. Also, I think a lot of times at least when you're talking to religious people, the test you're talking about for them is prayer. Mm. And so um, for the gravity example, it's not just that it could fly up. It's the fact that you would recognize that if it did fly up, that would disprove gravity. Yeah. And if, and if they're thinking about prayer and they're like, well, God could not answer this, 
then you'd have to say, would that actually disprove your theory about prayer working though? And they, most of the time they don't want to recognize that. Very good point. If, if this prayer doesn't get answered, is that evidence to suggest that it doesn't work? That's a, a great, a great disconfirming defeasibility question. Right. And that's kind of what mine's about defeasibility. It uh, can, would we even be able to recognize that it's not happening if it weren't happening? Yeah. Okay. Number 10. If all members of a society share a belief, they are justified to hold that belief. So this one, uh, this one. Oh, wow. Look at that. It's moving around. This one can be sticky for some people. And I, I sometimes wonder whether or not myself is best to be slightly or strongly for today. I'm, I'm feeling like I want to say strongly. What do you guys think? Should the number of people believing in a thing uh, be considered good justification? So I was neutral. I was the one in the middle on this. And yeah, that's, that's the core question. If, if a whole bunch of people believe something, is it good enough reason for me to believe it? And I think sometimes it can be depending on what we're talking about. Right. So my follow-up question would be for you is what, and this would be for a hypothetical person that we're interviewing. Um, what is the criteria we're looking for in order to accept a majority view? Is there something that the, that the majority or that the number of people believing in this thing needs to have? Is there something that they need to have for us to accept what they're saying? Or will any majority of people work? The core for my feeling on this is the humility that I, I don't know a lot. Right. Yeah. Like, and so yeah. one criteria is that I would have to be reasonably confident that the people that I'm getting in line with knew more than I did. Um, and that's true about a lot of things. I mean, there are, we have uh, a lot of highly studied specialists in the world and they know a lot more about certain things than I do, but um, it, that's just one of the criteria I would look for. But if you're just talking about general population, right. We would probably, so yeah, there's different ways we can go down that Avenue. And I feel like we're all prepared to be able to explore that with other people. Um, so I just realized that we're probably only going to have like 10 or 15 minutes left. So let's, let's go by a little bit here. Number 11. So this was one of my favorite on the survey. Believing in something false feels just like believing something that is true. And I think if number 11 weren't on here, it would make uh, gaining progress on number 12 a lot more difficult. So number 11 is about whether or not we can tell if something is true based on how we feel about it. Nope. Right. No. Or have we the felt feeling that of we certainty right? is separate from the 
the veracity of the claim. Yeah. Uh, I'm 100% confident about that. <laughs> yeah. Like one one quick example is like, have you ever tried to reach for a doorknob and grab nothing but air? Because the doorknob was on the other side of the door. I use a, uh, a video that from a Japanese game show where they have people go into a room and the, some, sometimes the things are made of chocolate and the guy is like testing everything and he has to bite things and sometimes he bites into chocolate. <laughs> oh, I just realized we only have two minutes left. So I, I, I wasn't keeping good enough track of time. So let's just go to the bottom here and let's look at the probably the most important one. Yep. Uh, well, both 17 and 18 are really important, but 17, someone is justified in their beliefs until they're proven wrong. What's a good question we can ask somebody who thinks that? They basically are saying, well, you can't show that I'm wrong, so I'm justified until you prove me wrong. I go black swan on this one. That's why I'm in the middle. Black swan? Yeah. Like, uh, I can never know if I'm right or wrong fully. So uh, mm. I'm, I, I'm not justifying my beliefs until they're proven wrong. Uh, because some things can't be proved wrong because I will never be able to reach the, enough evidence to find out whether or not I'm correct. Or not. Oh, right. Like you, you shouldn't say that there are no black swans. Right, right, right. Yeah. Even if I've seen, even if like I've seen 10 trillion swans, they're all white. Imagine. For I, re those... I do realize that's a, a gamey thing to do though. Right. So it goes in both directions. I think I see 27 is the opposite of black swan kind of sort of, it's more like, um, We've never seen a black swan, so I'm justified to say that there are black swans. I see what you're saying. Yeah, that's fine. Right. And so my question would be, uh, if a if some and that this is an outsider test, and I want to get them to think of something that they think is false, hmm. and have them fish for something that they think is false, and they can say mermaids, leprechauns, whatever. Hmm. And then say, imagine some other third person comes into our conversation and they're telling us that. Um... Oh my goodness. Welcome back, beautiful people. <laughs> oh, we are almost okay. done with 17. I, I almost got through it all. Uh, <laughs> that's impressive. That's impressive. I had to okay. skip a lot, but that's fine. We had a lot of fun. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. It's good to see everybody here. Wow, lots of smiles, too. I guess that's uh, that's, yeah. that's encouraging. Uh, thank you. Uh, what I wanted to do is spend 30 minutes to go over. Well, this is the Q&A portion of the workshop, but I thought it might be fun to just invite the facilitators to unmute their microphones, give us a little bit of an update as far as what happened. I and think last but not least, uh, Nathan, tell us. Yeah. Oh, you, you talked a little bit about it, but yeah, give us an update. Yeah, it was great. It went smoothly. I think it's really beneficial that they were we were all able to see each other's real answers and what we really thought and what we really believed about the way we think about the way we think. And it was it was a very lively discussion. We had to skip some of the um, latter parts of the interview of the survey, but otherwise, I had a great time. I thought it was fun. I think next time I'll go a little bit faster in some areas and maybe skip a few things. But yeah, I can't wait to do it again. Cool. I was a little worried because it seemed like there weren't that many people in the room. And I think the survey discussion is better when you have a lot more diversity in the responses. Right. Did you did you have any challenges in that regard? Or well, were a lot we of the answers able, the same? We were able to just think, uh, like, when was the last time you heard somebody say this to you? And that was good enough for us to remember somebody who would disagree. And that was giving us a good way to come up with questions around it. Mm. Mm -hmm. 
right. So I am scrolling. Thank you. I'm scrolling through the The Street Epistemology Podcast is a production of Street Epistemology International. You can donate or learn more about this nonprofit organization at StreetEpistemologyInternational.org. The views, guests, and topics expressed here or not expressed here do not necessarily represent those of the organization.